This podcast is intended for mature audiences and could be sensitive to some. Listener discretion is advised. The content you'll hear is based on our own experiences, opinions, and recollections. We worked as forensic scientists and investigated thousands of crime scenes between the three of us. We went to burglaries, homicides, and everything in between. If there was evidence to collect or document, we were your gals. All names and locations, including ours, have been left out or changed to protect the privacy of those involved. If you do know or learn these details, please be respectful to all involved and keep the information private. Incident assigned. All right, welcome back. Hello, hello. Hello. We're here with episode eight. We're loving it. Loving on this crime. Hope you are too. Yeah. Episode eight. Thanks for coming along with us. Um, we have had a couple uh, of episodes where we kind of lightened it up a little bit and uh, had some laughs with each other and hopefully with you guys. We're going to take it back to uh, a little bit of a serious scene here again. Um, I had a pretty memorable scene here that will probably stick with me for maybe ever. So when people find out what we have done for a living, there's generally, and you guys can maybe agree with me here, there's generally two main questions that people will ask you. One is what's the craziest, grossest, insert adjective, right? Whatever it is. Yep. What is that scene that you've ever been to? Craziest like scene. Always craziest. Like what's crazy. the craziest scene? And I'm like, What's your definition yeah. of crazy? Yes. Kind of crazy you want. Because everyone's definition is different and mine probably won't match yours. Correct. But I feel like it's for me, it's always what's your craziest yeah. scene? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Or craziest, craziest. story. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And number two, the second question that I feel like I always get is how do you live with the things that you see? Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. How did you do it? Yeah. How did yeah. you handle it? How did yeah. you manage it? Like, did you take that stuff home with you? And did you have nightmares? Like, did you sleep? Like, how could you function through that? And usually that question is preceded by, I bet you've seen some pretty crazy things. Or I bet you've seen some unbelievable things. Yeah. Right? So question number one is something that we've already talked about, some of the craziest things. We're going to go into even more crazy scenes. We have so many good ones and again, when I say good, I mean awful and crazy and unbelievable yeah. to tell you guys about. We'll cover that over and over and over again. And you certainly aren't going to want to miss any of those because there are some good ones. But question number two is something that I just wanted to talk a little bit about today. So how we live with the things that we have seen. And to be brutally honest, the answer is that it's mostly fine, right? Well, every yep. scene we're called to is super sad and upsetting we, at least I can speak for myself, I often didn't take scenes home with me. No, nope. You know, no. surprisingly, I didn't dwell on things forever. You know, you get to a point where if you let every single sad thing that you've seen get you down, you certainly couldn't do your job. And you absolutely couldn't be effective at catching bad guys. Or even just function as a person. But I think that's right. what we talked about a little bit in a previous episode was compartmentalizing that. And just like you had to... Mm-hmm. You had to be in it when you're in it and then out of it. But yes, I don't think that you can take that yeah. into your life and and go home and lead a normal, whatever normal is for you. But you can't 
take it with you and be okay outside of that. I sometimes wonder when people ask that, I'm like, yeah, how did I? Am I (laughs) dead inside? Like, am I literally dead? (laughs) How do you do that? And it's like, I don't know, but I'm going to go back and do it again tonight. Yeah, but I love it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. For me and people, you know, how would you do that? It's like, well, I want to hold someone accountable. Mm -hmm. The victim can't speak for themselves. I can handle it. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to help them out. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, okay. Because they're like, do you just like gross things or what is your, and I'm like, no. Sometimes. I mean. (laughs) Every now and then. I mean, we are also kind of gross. I'm not scared of it. That's interesting. Wow. (laughs) I mean, you can only see so many just casings in a row where you're like, just make it a little more challenging. Like, entertain me a little bit, you know. (laughs) You know, when you have a scene that challenges you a little bit more, it's like, yeah, that was fun. Like, I got to use my brain, stretch my brain. I figured it out. Like, that Mm -hmm. was fun. We all like solving puzzles and solving things. We don't want something just cookie platter in front of us. Like, here it is. It's nice. But the ones that you're challenged on and solve when you're done, it's so satisfying. Yes, for sure. So it's, you know, honestly, it's a, it's a harsh reality, but it's honest, right? Like you just, sometimes you had to push those aside and move on. Right. Um, so oftentimes, you know, you learn to separate yourself from scenes in a way that it almost felt like it's unreal or it's a movie. Mm, yeah. You're stepping into the scene of a movie where at some point somebody's going to say cut and the person that's on the ground is just going to stand up and walk away. Like it's almost sometimes yeah. surreal like that. Yeah. Right. Or you actually put yourself in a state of mind. Where that's what you're feeling yes. like. So this is going to sound really weird. But when I was newly in training and like newly forensic scientist, right? I used to have a song playing in my brain. And we'd be like, we'd get out of the crime scene track and be like, dun, 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 dun. I don't even Read know bad why. Boys for life. But it was like, <laughs> yeah, it did really feel like that. I mean, that fades over time when you're like, yeah. okay, this is yes. my 700th burglary I've been to. But you're just yes. like, we are doing this. Like, this yes. is great. And I'm sure everyone listening, like, you would love to do that, right? I mean, that's probably why you're listening. You're interested in true crime. Wouldn't you love to solve a crime and do that? And when you start in this job, you're like, I'm actually doing it. I'm solving crimes. Yes. You're just like, this is like, am I the only one that has like a theme song playing in their brain? (laughs) I mean, that might be. Maybe. Yeah. But you're kind of weird like that. (laughs) Yeah. That's Um, me. The musician. (laughs) The musical one. Yeah. Right. (laughs) You'll catch me singing every once in a while. Sorry. She's the singing one for sure. (laughs) Not um, well. <laughs> but we enjoyed it. You know, we actually really enjoyed it at 4 a.m. Yes. This shit is bananas. N-A-N-A-S. Yes. yes. Thank you, Gwen. Thank yes. you. Yep. Um, so, however, you, anyway. you you may have noticed that when I said that a few minutes ago, what I said was mostly fine. So, mm-hmm. I mean, let's be real. This is still real life. And so there are still some scenes that stick with you for a long time. You know, it's sometimes, I think I've said it before too, it's not necessarily the victim or the suspect, but sometimes it's maybe one small circumstance or one small detail that you just can't let go of and it just stays with you. So we're going to talk about one of those today for a couple of reasons, for me anyway. The first reason is that I feel like I abnormally carried this scene with me for a long time and the details of the physical scene are still ingrained in my brain. Like I still, after all of these years, have not 
moved like that hasn't moved out of my brain and it mm-hmm. like the layout of the house every single thing it just it's it's there yep. and the second reason is that it was one of the very first of many later but one of the very first scenes that taught me the true importance and gravity of the good sound forensic science like something that you just can't take for granted like there is a real purpose behind what we're doing and that was really special to me I started working as a forensic scientist at a fairly young age you know a few years out of college I was newly married I didn't have any kids yet but I was, you know, this was probably one of the earlier scenes I'd gone to. So I was in training on the overnight shift. Um, we got called to a shooting. Indeed, turned into a homicide. Um, we didn't always know that the shootings were homicides. You know, sometimes the details in the call notes were pretty vague. And the circumstances evolved rapidly. So sometimes we got called really quickly and they hadn't uh, disclosed all of the details. But in this instance, we knew it was a homicide. And we knew that there was a body on scene. So... The story was pretty sad um, and it hit me really hard and it sunk in because this exact incident was something that I think I could picture happening to myself, right? Like there's a lot of things that come across our daily lives on this job and it's it's like a movie because honestly that's so far removed from your day-to-day yeah. life right like yeah. you can't imagine being in that circumstance right. ever and a lot sure. of people that end up in those circumstances can't either but when we're in them like we're not imagining ourselves being mm-hmm. on the other side of this fence yeah right so when it does it would be just as surreal and crazy to us to be on the other side as it is to most of our victims yeah for sure and this one in particular i mean it it hit so close to home because there wasn't an ulterior motive or there wasn't a like a glaring reason that something happened right sometimes maybe there was you know gang activity that you could point to as you know a mitigating factor right or there's something that you could say well this led up to this and caused x to happen right you you could kind of see that there was something that happened but this case was simply the wrong house right just the wrong house and when you sit there and you let it sink in that that could happen to anybody yeah. That hit me hard. So, um, so what happened was I was say, tell us the story already. <laughs> oh, what leading is? up to it, it's like okay, okay, dun dun dun. Yeah, no, tell us, it. love it. So, two suspects broke into the house. Right? They they encountered the victim who had gotten up out of bed, grabbed a knife because he had a collection of different knives and swords and things um, to protect his. What we found out was his fiance. Um, the victim was shot. The suspects quickly fled the scene. Um, and the victim's fiance was left there to deal with this ugly truth that only moments before had begun. Right. So in this in the blink of an eye. And middle of the night, right? Yes. Yep. You're waking up to this, trying to figure this out. Yes. Different people wake up differently, but like you're groggy and still trying to figure out, is this a nightmare? Am I dreaming or right. what? Is this real life? What's yeah. happening? Yes. So when we arrived on scene, we pulled up in front of this house. We pulled up next to a squad car. And this, I just vividly remember. And I was driving. And so I pull up and park right next to the squad car. And I look over and there is a woman just sobbing in this squad car. She was talking to the investigator, you know, doing the best that she could. But 
like in that moment, it was like I saw myself, right? Like this is something I was newly married. This was her fiance. Like we were, it was roughly, you know, around the same thing. And I felt like all the feelings and I couldn't imagine being in that position where you lose the one person that was so important to you. Um, it was, you know, your whole, your whole world at that point. So it hit me right away and I knew this was going to be a really tough scene. I saw, you know, how dramatically things in the blink of an eye could change and how it could have been, it could have been anybody. You know, we get out of the van and the officers give us a briefing of what they have learned so far of the scene. They give us, you know, the limit, sometimes limited details that they had. They carefully showed us the scene. So the house was a smaller single family home with a rear detached garage kind of way behind it. We entered through a side door. Uh, there was a front door that was you know, street facing and then there was a side door. So we entered through the side door and when you go in, you can either go straight down the stairwell into the basement or to the left, you go just up a couple steps into like a galley type walk through kitchen. And just through the kitchen then was a dining area with a table. I believe one of the chairs was knocked over and there's a jacket. To the right of the dining area, you could walk into the living room area, which is also right where the front door was located, right through the living room there. But if you kept walking straight from the kitchen and kind of through the dining room area, right between the dining room and the living room, you would enter a short hallway and it had bedrooms um, on either side of the hallway and then there's a bathroom also. The victim was located in that short hallway. He was on his back. There was a towel on his chest, but there was blood or blood-like substance kind of all around him and on his chest area and the towel. There was also a knife on the floor near his hand I believe his left near his left hand and then you know it had appeared that he had just exited out one of the bedrooms and was basically encountered by the suspects right there in that short hallway he hadn't made it very far and he was shot and kind of dropped right there as we're walking through this house one thing that I just will never forget is the half-eaten bowl of popcorn that's on the coffee table in the living room right because They had been watching a movie the night before and they went to bed and they just had left the half eaten bowl of popcorn and I could smell the popcorn. I can still smell that popcorn, you know, and it's, it's sitting there in a bowl on the coffee table. It's just so like regular. Yeah. It's just like ordinary. Exactly. And like those details just, they'll almost never escape my memory. But at the same time, like there's work to do, right? There's a victim to speak for. So you got to push through that. There's suspects to find. They're out there. Suspects to find. We're going to find them. Yep. Yep. They don't get to do this. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So like I said, the suspects entered through a side door that was locked on this house. Um, the sound of the breaking glass was what had woken the residents. And then once inside, there were two suspects. They had quickly encountered the victim. You know, they had walked in. The victim had come out of out of the bedroom, encountered the, the victim in the hallway, Um, and shot him during this brief altercation that they had. So then, in a matter of probably seconds or a minute, they fled through the same side door and then down the alley behind the house. How did you know that it was the wrong house? Like you said earlier that they entered the wrong house. Was this something you knew at that time, or was that a mystery at that was It was a mystery at that point. We didn't know that. Um, We found out later. That was later determined. Yeah. Was the girl like... I have no idea why this yes. would happen. Yeah. Yes. So it was kind of a mystery as to why this had happened, but 
the news of like the wrong house and the circumstance came later after they obviously talked to the suspects. Okay. Um, but the good news here, we caught the suspects, I right? Like, spoiler alert. Spoiler yeah. alert. We busted them. Like yeah. it was sound forensic work and that was that held them accountable for what they'd done. So you don't often get to hear, like we've talked about the end result of the cases we work on, especially when court decisions come years afterwards. So, you know, knowing that these suspects were caught mean can mean the world to you and you you know you can't dwell on like how accountable are they held you just have to know that you did what you did you did the best you could and the rest is out of your control so yeah we figured it out Mm -hmm. you did the best you could and now someone else can take it from there but I mean at least it's not a whodunit and it turns into a cold case Mm -hmm. Yep. yep exactly so in this instance you know catching them with physical evidence was just enough that you could just be content with right because that's all you can control so during our walkthrough of the scene we quickly noticed that there was a trail of blood or blood-like substance uh leading from the house down the alley quite a distance and then the trail finally ended abruptly at the end of the alley so we kind of figured one of two things had happened one either an injury that was causing the bleeding had stopped bleeding or more likely the suspects had gotten into a waiting car or something and that bleeding event was no longer there and you said blood-like substance do you want to explain what that is you said blood or blood-like substance yes so in forensic when you're reporting right we report on fact Right. So we we don't make assumptions. We can't call things what they're not. You know, we sometimes laugh that you can't call a plastic zipper bag a Ziploc because it might not be a Ziploc brand. Right. And that's not yep. factual. If you call it a Ziploc brand like rollerblades and Kleenex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those instead, are brands, not item, you know, exactly. so it might not be that brand. And so you have to call it something else. Exactly. So when we're on the scene and you see, I mean, be honest, you see blood. We know it's blood. Right. But we haven't tested it. We haven't taken it to a lab. We can't 100% say it's blood. So what we have to say is it's blood-like substance. Right. We think it's blood, but we haven't tested it, so we yeah. can't be sure. So that's just one example of how factual we have to be. Yes. And so we called it blood-like substance, BLS. Other labs call it red-brown stains, red stains, brown stains, especially like with blood stain pattern analysis. They'll call mm-hmm. it red-brown stains, possible blood. Some will actually test it on scene. We didn't. We usually just collected it because we knew if we weren't sure, we would test it with a presumptive test. But other labs all use different terms. But it's the same idea where we don't, we can't testify in court that this is blood because we haven't tested it. So we would call it blood-like substance or BLS. I feel like there's plenty of other like schmegma at scenes that look like blood too. Yes. Like ketchup sometimes. Ketchup. Jam. Yeah, food and stuff. Jam. So, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be wrong on that kind of stuff either. For sure. For sure. I mean, that's our that's our job, right? You don't that our job is to just state the facts. Yeah. So, so if we say blood like substance, it's not like we weren't sure it's we probably it blood, <laughs> uh, but we would call it that. So when we testified in court and everything until it was tested, unless we tested it, we would always testify or call it blood like substance because we thought it was, but yep. Didn't exactly. do that chemical test. Exactly. So like I mentioned, the trail ended kind of abruptly. So that trail didn't lead us to the suspect, which surprisingly it can sometimes. But we were able to collect some samples and we were pretty certain that those samples belonged to one of the suspects. You might wonder why. And I'll tell you that the reason was because it was an active bleed that appeared to be getting worse the farther they ran. So we didn't think it could be transfer from the victim because it was getting worse. There was, you know, larger drops. 
And it couldn't have been the victims because the victim wasn't in the alley. of. Um, so ultimately, that led... What was the victim's injuries? I'm sorry, did you say? One shot. Just one shot. Yeah. Okay. One shot. Do you know where? Uh, I believe I, I believe it was in like the upper uh, chest shoulder area. So probably shot and went down. Wasn't he didn't run after them or like nope one shot and down. And I think it was one of those crazy circumstances where um, it was a small caliber, which actually was worse than a a large caliber because large caliber sometimes will go through and through. And that might not actually kill you, whereas a small caliber can enter and just bounce around like a pinball machine. Yeah, once and it then gets in there. hit everything, right, and do even more damage. So yep. I think it was one of those awful situations where it was just really awful luck. Okay. And yeah, so he didn't chase them, so that's another nope. thing with the blood. I was just curious about. Yeah. So he was shot and pretty much down. Correct. Okay. Yep. Exactly. And okay. the knife that he was holding was laying right next to him in the hallway, like. I just I can remember it like it was yesterday. It was crazy. So anyway, the blood collection ultimately led to one suspect who turned out, once we found out later, had actually been cut by the victim during that brief altercation. So he had they had been close enough that there there was that brief injury causing event. So there's, you know, one kind of major forensic discipline, the DNA. The second suspect was also caught by physical evidence, but the different kind. So knowing that the suspects had broken into that side door, entered through it, and also exited through it, we were able to fingerprint the doors and collect several prints to examine. Um, And then when we ran those fingerprints through the database, we were able to identify the second suspect. So we were able to learned that the fingerprint was not the residence and that person was not a welcomed guest. So that had to be that second suspect. So the database, like all of you may have, you know, think you've seen this on CSI and stuff where you just put a print in it. <laughs> Here's your person. That's not what happens. With their picture not and their address happens. and their name and their, <laughs> and their favorite restaurant and their last credit card charge. Right. They're at the mall now. Go. Yep. Um, that's not how it works. It's similar in that you do enter it in. We manually enter it in, but just want to talk a little bit about that since that's such a big part of this one but we manually enter it in each examiner does you plot what you want it to send off and then it punches things things in and it sends it out brings it back with a list of possible candidates a list mm-hmm. of other fingerprints and just like one finger one finger one finger and with then you get numbers. a number <laughs> not a name not uh-huh. a picture a number you're manually looking at it is it this or is it not am i moving on if it is, then you take that number, you go pull the card, and get the name. So it's it's a much more manual process. It, it does, you know, happen that you put it in the system and it comes back, but it's not the uh, automated awesomeness that is on the TV shows. <laughs> but it is awesomeness when you get a hit back. It is. And yeah. the, the best part was when you get a hit back and it's all top 20 results. Yes. <laughs> or all the same We're number. Same number. Like hit. Pretty certain that this is the this is the one. But you yeah. still have to. I mean, it's a human factor. You have to go in and you have to yeah. be the one to identify it. The computer yes. does not identify it for you. No. And then you have it verified by a second person before we ever report anything out or give out any other names. So it's not just one person. It's two people mm-hmm. manually deciding this. So the computer just gave you a suggestion. I've got 20 of these same ones that look alike to me based on the holes you put in yeah. there. And or when I say holes, I was just thinking of it's like that, you know, remember those little star brights? Like you put a black piece of paper and then it's all those dots. Like it's just a pattern of dots that's sent out more or less. So dots with a direction on them. Mm-hmm. And so it's searching that dot pattern. So it's like a constellation. 
and it just expands and contracts so it's like a little bit bigger a little bit smaller with a direction it's you know you can put in there all of the like ridges and the patterns but it doesn't always search all that and you don't have to use it mm -hmm. and so I always thought that was kind of cool and unique that it was searching those little things are you talking about light bright yeah you said star bright <laughs> <laughs> I've just been sitting here like it's like your face was like did you see my face all confused? I was like, stop Light bright. bright, thank you. Yes. Light, Light bright. bright. I didn't have one, so my cousin did, and I played with hers. Deprived. I know. You're deprived. You're like, my, your face? What's wrong with you? I was like, do you not like my story? Like, do you not? I was like, is she, like, stuck on the constellation? Is like, she not? Here I go. Like... I'm thinking about it. She's like, it's what is that? Yeah. I didn't have one. Anyway. Oh, wow. I always just found that fascinating, and it's just a cool thing. And like this one, I mean, this is how you caught the other guy on this yep. one, and so. It's and it's great. also noted too that in this database, you know, there's tens of thousands or more, right, hundreds of thousands of um, sets of known fingerprints in there. But what you can also do with this database is you can leave in print. So maybe you run a print and you don't actually get a match back. You, you get a bunch of suggestions, but they're just not it. Right. You can actually leave those prints in the database. And when new people get arrested, it will run reverse against any old outstanding fingerprints that are in, in, this, in the database from scenes. So you can sometimes get what's called reverse hits that yeah. way, where maybe several months or years down the road, reverse hits come in and you you actually can get you know things to compare they're arrested and yep. it's like oh their fingerprint was at these six crime scenes yes yeah like, oh cool That's That's so sudden. again yeah. it's a person like we had someone assigned that went through all the reverse searches mm -hmm. that came back each day and stuff so it's a person right. going through it but it was cool and there was two databases so we had a local database and then the national fbi and i feel like most states have their own either one state or two states, like some states kind of regional, depending. Maybe. Yeah, regional. That's a good word for yeah. it. Good word. Yeah, well that's what I was looking for. So there's usually a local or regional database as well as the FBI, like national database. So lots of them, you know, you start local because usually your criminals are somewhat local. Or you're going to start there first and then you search the other one. But usually you're searching both of them and you can leave them in either one of them. Mm -hmm. right. You also don't want to clog the system. So we talked before about elimination prints and comparing prints we don't want to leave a print in a, in that system searching against all the new arrestees when it was your victim like your homeowner so that's another reason we try and figure out which ones are good ones to leave that's actually a suspect print mm -hmm. right yeah so yeah like i was saying so there were those two pieces so we 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 caught two suspects that way um but you know there was there was one other piece of evidence that was pretty key that was left at the scene and this was kind of pure luck here but one of the suspects cell phone was actually knocked onto the floor during the altercation yeah um, and ended up under the kitchen table oh so my gosh we it was likely that he was using it as a flashlight right so we had broken into this house it was dark mm -hmm. and he had his phone out using it as a flashlight so then during the altercation it was out got knocked yeah. they left in a hurry because of, of what had happened <laughs> and they had left yeah. this one of them had left because it phone. was in i mean middle of the night so it was dark yep. and everything no lights turned on yeah so speculation but yeah likelihood that yeah interesting mm. yeah so i mean all in all two very important forensic disciplines i mean there there's a few but dna evidence and fingerprint uh, evidence were hard at work at this scene 
the third factor, you know, that gold mine of the cell phone didn't hurt either, of course. <laughs> no. <laughs> but when you can back not. it up through like really good, solid sound forensic work, it's all the better. Yeah. You know? Well, and how fast did you ID that print? So depending on our caseload, right, mm -hmm. we enter them right when we get back. Sometimes we'll give it to someone else mm -hmm. to enter in. If we're going home for the morning, we're like, hey, here's a great print. Something like that just to help us out. Since we did crime scenes and fingerprints, we could come back and run it ourselves if we had time or were able um, and knew it was a good print. And so sometimes we could get one that night or that morning, like, you know, within an hour or so of getting back. Other times we wouldn't get to them for a while. Yeah. On this one, I remember it was pretty It was pretty quick. quick. Yeah, yeah, it was a day or two. I didn't do the fingerprint exam in this case because I was pretty new. Um, so, you know, one of my other partners had had done that. But, yeah, it was pretty quick. I mean, I think that was part of one of the coolest things about working where we worked was you could go to the scene. You could, you know, have that connection to the scene. And you could come right back to the lab and have an answer within an hour if you were able to. And, you know, a lot of times if you had fingerprints from a homicide scene, you did do those as quickly as possible for obvious reasons. Yep. Especially this in a whodunit. You know, sure. we talked about other ones where we knew who it was. And it's mm -hmm. like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to go home and get some sleep and rest up for tonight rather than staying late and entering a print or comparing fingerprints. We already know who did it. Mm -hmm. They're in custody. But this one is like, I'm going to stay late and get one print entered, especially if you think you have a real good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep, exactly. So, so yeah, in this case, it was, I, it was pretty quick. And I don't know how long the DNA evidence took. We didn't have, we didn't do DNA analysis in our lab. So that would have to be sent to a different lab. And that, you know, likely always took a little bit longer. Yeah. But the fingerprint worked because we got to do it ourselves. Um, it was kind of cool. You know, you got to start to finish. You got to work a case, right? You were there at the beginning. You collected it. And then you got to work it all the way through and catch the bad guy, which was the best. That was that was really cool. And I'm sure that cell phone got looked at right, right away. away. Yeah. Yeah. That day. Yep. Like, I'm yep. sure you, uh, you or whoever, your partner, like, you process it, you swab it for DNA, so you're collecting mm -hmm. DNA from it, processing it for print, and then on to the cell phone or computer forensics, on for the cell phone exam. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, they they were so good, too. Yeah, because like, they'd oh. have to get a search warrant for yeah, that, and yeah. the investigators and them, would they'd work with that, but we would just collect it. But yeah, we would get it ready for them and able to move on to that yeah. step. Getting yeah. that cell phone unlocked and getting that information to the investigator, for sure. Yep. Yeah, so oh. I mean... We, I certainly left for the day and there was plenty of work to be done, but I mean, that's what the team is for. So they, I mean, they worked all day and I think we came back to work that night and it was basically wrapped up with a bow for the most part. So amazing. that was crazy. And then that's when we found out, you know, the circumstances were that it was indeed the wrong house. And I think there was an intention, you know, something was intended for the neighbor's house. I don't know if there was something illegal involved um, or what all of the circumstances were. I don't want to speculate, but it sounds like the suspects were not intending to break into that house. And it was just a really awful circumstance. So yeah, that's horrible. Um, so, yeah. So that is my yeah. my kind of the one where how do you deal with it? And sometimes you don't deal with it very well. And that one's that one stuck with me for a while. Yeah. 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 There's those out there that hit you a little different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hate to say we get numb to it, but you do a little bit and then these certain ones just wake you up a little bit. Yeah. When you can picture yourself or someone, you know, like in that mm -hmm. circumstance. It just makes it a little bit tougher. I mean, obviously, 
you know, I don't want to make light of any because none of them, um, they all, you know, they're all awful in their own respect. It's just that some of them have those small little details that for some reason hit you a little bit differently than any, any other one. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't really make sense either. Yours obviously does. Like you were just married or whatever Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But like I had a rant, a random suicide once that like stuck with me forever. Huh. I don't know why. Like there's just some, maybe it was like how I was feeling that night or like, you know, you're a little more emotional than, than normal, but it's like, well, that's weird. (laughs) Yeah. Seen things a million times, but like this one random scene will get you. They'll jump out of nowhere, out of nowhere and then that like, one won't leave you alone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. We went, we haven't gotten to my life changer yet. That'll come uh, later in the seasons. So. That one's a doozy. That's a doozy. Stay tuned. <laughs> There's no other word. You do not want to miss that one. Or other than a doozy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But I think this one, this one was just really cool. It was, I mean, the true, yes, the truth of forensics and that. So fun when that comes together, mm-hmm. when you get a print. One thing, too, that was kind of cool, we would work overnight, process a scene, get them a name, get them a print, even give it to Daywatch to run or something, and we'd get them evidence. We'd go home. We'd come back. And like you said, it's all done, and it's really cool when you come back. You're like, this is awesome. I've been sleeping, and you guys did all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's like, well, I wish I was a part of that, but that's also awesome. That wasn't a common occurrence where you came back in that mm-hmm. night and everything's yeah. these people did it for these reasons and it's all like thank you wow yeah oh, yeah man. but it makes it all worth it like, you mm-hmm. spent hours at those scenes and this one it makes an yeah. impact it makes exactly a difference. and it obviously didn't make anything any necessarily better for that victim but at the same time like you gave them some yeah some form of closure and some form of like justice is being served right and also maybe some kind of a reason. Can you imagine that girl? That yeah. girl's just like, what in the hell just happened? Uh-huh. Like, why? And a lot of times yeah. we don't get that why. Yep. You're not going to get that. If you think about, too, like, she's now kind of kicked out of her house for a little bit. Do you want to go back and sleep there? And I'm sure she didn't, but it's just her life changed in so many ways, not just mm-hmm. losing her fiance, but just I can't can't even imagine. And like you said, it just hit home for you during that time. But it was just there's an impact in things that we don't address or often think about. And I don't think everyone else thinks about either when you think about a crime scene is is the impact that it has on all the the victims and their family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the long lasting like outside of the moment, right? Like the next day, the day after. I mean. A lot of times we're closing up scenes for days, weeks, even longer, depending on the scene. And these people just lost not only their loved one, but all of their personal belongings, too, because they can't go back in that scene. They've lost no. their their home. They've lost their, you know, all of their personal effects and items. Yeah. Well, we've got them for a few days. And it's like you can have yeah. them back. Also, when we release it. There's a blood pool. Yep. And, and it's not all that aftermath to deal with. And the chemicals and the fingerprints. Yeah. Like, yeah. Talk about being like re-victimized. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. Anyway, that is, uh, that's the episode for today. And uh, we're going to, we're going to maybe lighten it up again for you guys in the next episode. Cause I know some of these are, some of these are a little tough and they're a little heavy. Just want you guys to have a little bit of a, of an insight into what it's like for us kind of on the other side there 
hear about so. some of our uh, cool stories or good stories, the impact and the, uh, I mean, fascination with it too. So it's great. So thanks for, thanks for coming along with us and yeah. please continue to, to listen and continue to let us know your thoughts and questions. Um, and we will do our very best to address and answer all of your lingering questions. Yeah. Because every scene has a story. Stay tuned for new episodes every other Wednesday. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and on our website, yellowtapetrio.com. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Incident Assigned, the Yellow Tape Trio. Please follow and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to rate and review us. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Incident Assigned, the Yellow Tape Trio. If you have questions, comments, or would like to share your own stories from behind the yellow tape, check out our website, yellowtapetrio.com, or email us at hello at yellowtapetrio.com. We would love to hear from you. While you're on our website, don't forget to swing by our merch shop and pick up some goodies. Don't miss our next episode where we dig into some more exciting crime scenes because every scene has a story.